Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb. And this is where you'll get the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character in our culture saturated with media and technology. We call it Brave Parenting because it takes a lot of courage and hard work to keep on top of technology and then decide how to incorporate that into your family's life. So our ultimate goal here is to keep you educated and equipped to raise those tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. Well, today we are continuing yet again with our popular Netflix series. I was actually going to record this episode on Riverdale. However, the new released series on the Babysitter's Club caught my attention. And I know that as moms and maybe not dads so much, right? But as moms, this is probably a series that we read as children. And so it's probably near and dear and nostalgic even to our hearts and that we may be wanting and allowing our daughters to watch this. So on today's show, we're going to be talking about the Babysitter's Club and debuting for the first time on Brave Parenting Podcast. I have one of my many children and today I have Lily. Hi, everyone. Lily, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm 14 years old, going into be a freshman. I enjoy singing and playing guitar. Yes. Awesome. And so last weekend, when the Babysitter's Club came out, Lily and I, I don't want to say we binged it, because we did watch several episodes in a row, but kind of over two days, two or three days, we did watch the entire series, all 10. And yeah. did you enjoy it overall? Yeah. It was all right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was all right. But we watched it with a, an analyzing eye, if you will. We sort of critiqued it and we looked for specific things so that we could present this on the podcast so that you as parents can know before you allow your children to watch it. So The Babysitter's Club, it is on Netflix, 10 episodes. They're 30 minutes each. And it is rated TVG, which means general audiences. I was a little bit surprised by that. Overall, I would say it really isn't too bad, but there's definitely some things that you as parents should really know. And I think that, Lily, you even saw a lot of things that maybe I didn't see that you were able to call out um, as we were watching this. So things that parents may not recognize, but that you as a teenager do. Okay. So I identified four themes that we're going to go over. And the first is friendship. Of course, what we have here is Four, it starts with four, but then it moves on to be five girls who are in their seventh grade year, and they decide to join this club in order for people to find babysitters easily. So it's led by Christy, and the opening scene actually starts with Christy and Marianne, which are, they've been friends since childhood, they live next door to each other. It's kind of the friendship that you see where they're like opening their bedroom windows at night that face each other, and they're talking into the night. Yeah, that doesn't really happen. It doesn't. Real life. <laughs> it doesn't. You have a best friend who lives next yes, door. Yes. And your, win- your windows never face each other perfectly like they do in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we see this friendship. And I think what we also see is that they embrace new friends very easily. When they meet up with Claudia, she has already um, sort of welcomed in another new friend to the school named Stacy. And then later on, Marianne meets Dawn. And they bring her into the Babysitter's Club. So that's what we have. We have Christy, Marianne, Claudia, Stacy, and Dawn. It is the original characters from the book. And they're in seventh grade. So which puts them about 12 years old, maybe 13 on the upper end. And 
we do. We see them bond in their friendship. You see them working together and supporting one another. They support each other with everything they do when um, their grandmother's in the hospital or one of the girls' art shows. Yeah, they're really there all the time for one another, which I think when we talked about this, we sort of identified this reality that it's hard for you, having just finished middle school, it's hard to be there for your friends in the same way that you see in the show. It doesn't feel very realistic because you're not only working with the fact that you don't have a car, but you're relying on parent schedules and your own busy schedule. But these girls seem to be completely available to be with one another any time of the day. Yeah. So the friendship is a great part of it. I think it's a great example to show. Of course, you have to kind of keep that discerning eye for the fact that a lot of it just isn't realistic, that you really can't have those exact type of perfect relationships in seventh grade. But nonetheless, um, their friendship is true, and it's a really good example of how good friends should treat each other. Now, another theme that we see, and this really isn't surprising at all, is the struggle with parents. Of course, we've got these 12-year-old girls who have parents, and all of their parents are very different. You see a single dad, a single mom. Um, Another one has has both of her parents that are married, but they seem to be, you know, sort of strict. And then you see a real free spirit, Dawn's mom. So you see them struggle. For example, you see phone rolls, right? Uh, Marianne, in one of the episodes, came home, what, 15 minutes late? Yeah. And she was immediately, had her her smartphone taken away and given back this sort of... (laughs) Flip phone. Yeah, flip phone, which is really embarrassing for her um, because she arrived home late. We have Claudia's parents who... So Claudia is really good at art, and art is a huge part of her life, but she struggles at school. And her parents gave her a sort of limit that says you cannot go to the school dance unless you pass this test. And you see Claudia really struggle under this expectation, so much so that she actually shows her parents a different grade. She kind of lies to them. Um, But what I like about that scene and that whole story is even though she's kind of manipulating her parents and tricking them into think that she got this grade, we see really great character come out of it because in the end, she can't hold that lie. And she ends up confessing to her parents. Um, So even though you see the struggle, all of these struggles seem to be summed up in 30 minutes. What do you think, Lily? Are all parent-child struggles summed up that easily? No. It doesn't really happen that fast. It's hard, right? Yeah. Not only because your communication isn't as, I would say, as advanced as what you see these girls. Yeah. They're very quick to be able to say, I was wrong. This is how I felt. Which is... Great to see, but in your life, that's not necessarily practical. Yeah. <laughs> um, some of the quotes that I took as we watch this about moms and dads is, you know, mom isn't totally clueless. Another one says, parents can always make you feel like you're not good enough, which I think is probably a true statement for a lot of teenagers about how they feel about their parents. Another one says, isn't it my parents' unrealistic expectations that's making me cheat? Another one says, you know, we don't have a choice who our parents are. And I love this one. Parents are older weirdos trying to do the best they can. (laughs) What do you think? Am I an older weirdo trying to do the best I can? Would you agree? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the struggle with parents, um, I think it's very real to teenagers and preteens who may be watching it. But again, um, I think it sets a good example, but you really have to watch it with an eye to know that Life just isn't always this easy. 
I think when TV paints it to be this easy, it can leave the teenagers, the preteens, and even the parents who may be watching it feeling like, oh, why can't it be that easy for me? Maybe feeling less than or not good enough because they can't solve their problems that fast. All right. So another theme that we see is this cultural relativity. It very much touches on all the hot topics right now. And I understand why the show is doing this because these are topics that the kids are facing in their everyday life. They're seeing it on the news. Maybe they're hearing about it in school. So I can see why they're touching on it. But I believe that because of some of these topics, the sensitive nature of them, you as a parent should really watch these episodes first to make sure it's something that you want your child to see or maybe watch it together, I think is a better idea and talk about it, talk through it as you go. I mean, that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. We paused it and we were like, oh, okay, what do we think about this? So what were some of this, right? Well, we see a lot of feminism as we talked about. Yeah. Chrissy was raised by a single mom and she was only a girl in the house, which she's really um, big on like girl power. Yeah, she definitely was. So you see a lot of feminism, which is everywhere in today's time. So that's not as big of a deal. We also see some gender identity issues with the kid, one of the kids that they're babysitting. That kind of took me off guard. If that might catch you or your child off guard, definitely something to watch for. We also see themes of homosexuality. Dawn's parents were actually divorced because her dad came out as gay. And you actually see Dawn FaceTime with mm-hmm. her dad and her dad's boyfriend. Was yeah. that awkward? Yeah, that was a little... It was weird. Yes. <laughs> um, we have seen some social justice issues. So all the girls go to a summer camp and they start a protest, um, almost a little of a rally, if you will, against the inequality at the summer camp because art classes cost extra money to do all of the events. What did you think about their sort of protest? Did you feel like it was justified or was it just awkward and forced? I think it was just awkward and forced. Would you see any of, could you picture like kids your age in seventh grade when you were there all of a sudden staging this big protest about an art class? No. Even considering in today's times when lots of people are protesting, did it still feel awkward knowing that that's yeah. kind of pretty relevant? That's not really realistic. I don't think any seventh grader would really do that at camp. <laughs> yeah. Now they'd be that bold. Yeah. We also see in this cultural um, relativity, we see witchcraft. You see a neighbor who one of the little girls says, oh, she's a witch. And then we actually find out that she's related to Dawn. It's Dawn's aunt. And she's not necessarily a witch per se, but she's a, quote, spiritual healer. And so they reference some neo-shamanism in there. And we actually see that this neighbor who's a witch, the spiritual healer, is actually who marries Christy's mom and uh, her new stepdad. Some other Random cultural references, you see references to one of the girls wanting a Gucci fanny pack. Luckily, (laughs) right, that was pretty funny. Luckily, the mom immediately says, yeah, no, never. You're going to be babysitting from now until you're 30 to afford that. Yeah. I think I would have been a little disappointed if mom would have gave in on that. Um, You see references to Postmates about them getting pizza delivered. So obviously using an app for food delivery. And an unfortunate reference, and this actually is in the very first scene of the whole show, is when they talk about Marianne's dad allowing them to order Postmates, Christy says, wow, what's next? Keys to the liquor cabinet? And so that really, I mean, that was the first, within the first five minutes. Yeah. We saw that and thought, what? These are seventh graders? That seems pretty awkward. Yeah. What I did like 
And this is, I think, one of the best features here when we reference culture is as they're starting the Babysitter's Club, they start talking about how they're going to be able to reach all of these parents who are going to need babysitters. And Stacy, who's from New York, immediately suggests social media targeted ads. And she says, go ahead and give me your Insta handles so that I can, you know, basically set up this group. And one of the other girls says, we're not supposed to have Instagram under 13. And another one says, yeah, social media rots your brain, right? And then they move on and they decide to make flyers instead of publicizing on social media. They go around town, they hand out flyers. I thought that was pretty refreshing. Yeah. As a, sure. as a teenager who doesn't really have social media, I mean, it's still possible, right? You yes. can still live and survive <laughs> without it. So I actually was very encouraged that they stood up for this idea that you're not supposed to have those accounts under 13. What I also liked is the use of the smartphone. How do you think they use the smartphone? It was good. At one point, one of the girls stepped out and said, excuse me, to text her mom. But it's not like they're sitting there scrolling. It was very purposeful. Yes. That's what I liked. Yeah. They, whereas you see a friend group now, maybe they're hanging out together. Maybe they're at a restaurant or something. And they're all scrolling. They're all staring yeah. at their phones. Even they might be kind of talking to each other. And frankly, you see this even in high school. I mean, you see this in the high school cafeterias. Yeah. And instead, their phone was very purposeful. They had it in their back pocket, but it rang and they answered it. Or they realized that they needed to text someone. They pulled it out. They text and then they sort of put it away. Yeah. So I think it gave a very good, positive example about how girls that age could and really should be using their smartphones. All right. So generally, the, the cultural references, I would just say if any of those topics maybe bring up a little bit of concern as to how you're raising your kids and how you want them to interpret that, the best way to handle that is just to watch it together. It's actually pretty easy to watch as an adult. I survived it without any um, too much cringe. <laughs> All right. And then the final theme that I really saw that, I, that made me really love it is the character. Now, granted, I did mention every problem is summed up in 30 minutes. But what we see is every episode has the internal dialogue of a different girl. So one of the five girls that has their internal dialogue. So it starts off with Christy and it's Christy's voice sort of narrating it. But what I love is there's this self-reflection. And that's what one thing I think that is sometimes missing in the busyness of our kids' lives and the constant draw towards their smartphone and constant communication, constant entertainment, is they lack a lot of self-reflection time. There's no downtime to really think about, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You know, maybe it is okay to do this, that, the other. And you see Christy's, well, you hear Christy's internal thoughts as she works through some of the issues that she's having, mm -hmm. and then she resolves them. So I think that was actually a really great thing. You see a lot of honesty in yes. the show. Would you agree? Yeah. Right. A lot of the girls, even though they do wrong, they come forward and tell the truth. Yeah. You see a lot of responsibility, obviously, right? The girls are babysitting. Mm -hmm. They're taking on a lot of challenging kids. That one episode with Dawn, what did she do? Oh, yeah. She... She was babysitting these kids, and their house was a mess, and she cleaned up the whole house before the parents were back. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, not only she took care of the kids, but she got the kids involved, and they helped clean, yeah. and they felt pride yes. over cleaning the house. Humility. Um, Marianne is a great example of this. She's very humble. Um, I mean, she's kind of like the quiet one, 
but still very good character. All of the girls are really, they're fashionably dressed, but there's nothing inappropriate at all. Yeah. In fact, even when they're at camp, whereas I would say in today's times, you would see most girls wearing sort of like running shorts, which are kind of short. Mm-hmm. I even noticed that the girls had on almost knee-length cut-off sweatshorts, yeah. which, you know, you kind of cringe because you're like, oh, I wouldn't wear that, <laughs> right? But it didn't look awkward. It looked modest. Yeah. And I did like that. That's, that's a very good example for girls. I'm a lot of personal ownership. You know, they do something, they do it wrong, they own it, and they try and make it right. Really good character there. As we mentioned earlier, forgiveness. They're very forgiving, even though they hurt each other. And again, independence. It's a great example for young girls to show that they don't have to just maybe sit and be on their phones or kind of be pigeonholed into one thing. You can create a great idea for a business, whether it be babysitting or something else, and just really go out there and sort of chase your dreams, which is what Christy does and really brings the girls alongside inside this business. So overall, what age, Lily, would you think that it would be appropriate for a girl to watch Babysitter's Club without her parents? I say about 14, they're mature. Because you kind of saw some things? Yeah, and I was like, I don't, that can really rub off on some 14-year-olds. And if they were watching with their moms, you think that it would be okay under the age of middle school? No. You don't think so? No. Because of some of the references and some of the cultural topics that they touch on? Yeah. Yeah. Overall, what's your general take? I don't know. I think it's all just unrealistic. Like, none of this just ever would happen in real life. It just just... seems too easy. Yeah. Seems too perfect. And I think that's probably a little bit of the sitcom nature of it. Like, everything is solved in 30 minutes. Yeah. That's kind of how, that's like the old, you probably don't remember TV being like this, but when we were growing up, all TV was 30-minute episodes, then you waited a week to see the next. (laughs) So maybe that's why it feels a little unrealistic and awkward. Well, Our Brave Parenting Stance does, is about that. I really say that maybe 11, but kind of 12, I would say, is probably about the right age. Middle school, maybe 6th, 7th grade is fine. I do think it's a great opportunity for you to watch with your daughters and address some of these topics if they're already coming up in conversation, if you realize they're in public school, they're already seeing some of this, you're having to answer questions about feminism or homosexuality or social justice type of topics, then it can definitely be a great springboard for it. It is generally, I would say, fits the category of rated G uh, minus some of these hot topics. But again, a great way for you to spend time with your daughter. So if you have some time and you want to binge 10 episodes of The Babysitter's Club, then we say if you're over middle school, then that is a great thing to do. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode, Lily. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you were nervous coming on. Was it as bad as you thought? No, it was all right. (laughs) So hopefully you enjoyed a little teenage perspective. If you missed anything on the show or you want to learn more, or if you have any thoughts about The Babysitter's Club on Netflix, you can email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. For an in-depth look at how you can build strong character using the technology that children love, pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character, available on Amazon. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe, whether you're listening on iTunes, Google, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Thank you for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media, and every child deserves a brave parent willing to set a new standard. Until next week, go and be brave.